All right, good to see everyone. Hopefully everybody has an outline. It should say the glory of asking and receiving. Okay? The glory of asking and receiving. So what we're going to be talking about is uh, prayer today. Prayer is one of the most dynamic things I've ever discovered for my life. Usually we sort of think of prayer as sort of a meditative thing or uh, maybe for people who are especially interested in that sort of thing. But for us, maybe prayer hasn't been uh, very uh, powerful or maybe a, a real integral part of our life. We just know we're supposed to do it, right? After all, there's the Lord's Prayer, so <laughs> we know He liked it, right? <laughs> and we have little pieces of it that we kind of do from time to time. But basically, when we talk about prayer, we're talking about uh, asking and receiving. And sometimes we're asking and receiving for ourselves, and sometimes we're asking and receiving for others. We're praying uh, for that. And um, for me, uh, our church was built on prayer. I suppose many churches want to say that, but ours really truly was... Um, and it has been from the beginning, uh, just this underground river of constant prayer that we have manifested in various ways, shapes, and forms, not just in the public place, but also in the hidden places, and places at night and early in the morning and all kinds of things. And um, I want the title I want to share today is The Glory of Asking and Receiving. And I just tell you, uh, uh, I just have a, you know, I'm getting a little up there in years, you know, I'm like 38, 39 now. And, so uh, I've had a few years just to uh, collect lots of answered prayer, and, uh, and not just year years, but like last year, or the last six months, or the last three months. And so I think the whole point of praying is that uh, someone's listening and acting on your behalf. Uh, that would be Jesus, right? The Father through Jesus. And, um, and so that's why for me, it, uh, from the very time that I began to pray, which I remember succinctly when it was. I had, uh, I was in first grade. I remember the lady's name, Rita McConnell. How many of you do under, remember your first grade Sunday school teacher? I remember her. And uh, she taught us about prayer one day. And she told us how we could pray about anything. And then she told us kind of how to do it, you know, and everything. And it hit my heart like an entrepreneur. I thought to myself, well, this is the best deal I've ever heard. You mean I can ask for things and, and, uh, and receive? So from that moment forward, I started doing it. And uh, I began to pray over everything, and all through my childhood. And I saw miracles and things happen, and little funny things, you know. Like, Lord, please make me the most valuable player of the fifth grade football team, right? And so it became. I became the most valuable player of the fifth grade. And I wasn't done with that. When sixth grade along, came along, we did the same thing, right? And that happened. And I, but I just began to be discipled by the Lord in this whole thing of asking and receiving, starting with real simple things that were meaningful to me, then more profound things here and there, but a lot in the early years about my own life and manipulating the environment around me, including my grades, <laughs> my teachers, opportunities, all kinds of things. And from looking back at it, I think, man, oh man, Lord, you were discipling me the whole way. He was teaching me about himself, about his ways, how gracious he was. So from the early years, I learned. I learned uh, uh, how to pray. And um, I guess would you say, it's so funny, 
how to learn to pray. I just learned, uh, for me, it was like a business deal. I just ask in Jesus' name and I get. I mean, it's the most amazing thing, right? And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know why more people don't do this, you know? So, and I just started praying about every little area of my life, wherever I was insecure. And uh, so I just think often I was just in the children's ministry and I was thinking about them and um, before, before church and wandering around there and looking at the kids and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, oh man, how powerful children's ministry is. They, they, I was, uh, this couple of my Sunday school teachers taught me, and I never forgot those lessons, and I carry them through my entire life, all the way to now. Now that I'm like 48, 49, <laughs> what I say before I was? I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember anything. Anyway, but I am still learning and still praying and still seeing things happen. So many of you maybe see me wandering around. A lot of people have. I, I guess it's real conspicuous that I'm wandering around that property over there, including the federal government. Evidently, they have cameras over there. <laughs> Might not want to wander too much over there. They keep interrupting my prayer life over there. I'm walking, and then a car will show up. Or, what are you doing out here? Well, I'm, I'm we on the buildings across the street, and I don't tell them exactly what I'm doing, but I've just been thinking about this property a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't help anything, you know. I should have said I'm praying that God would give us this property. But anyway, so I have been, right? And the funny thing about it is everything that you see around here, every building, every ministry we've done overseas, everything has been bathed and asked for and received in prayer. Um, and so it's gotten, gotten so um, out of hand in some ways, it just like surprises me. Uh, and, and, and now we're embarking on new things, um, new areas and one of them is expansion and growth. One of them is actually a college, uh, a university that we're, I won't say any much more about that, but that's uh, in motion in addition to the school that we have now. And other things, things that I've envisioned that just came were born in prayer. And one of my favorites was the one, you know, the Mercy Warehouse that was born in prayer and, um, and how that's developed and how it's grown. And, and uh, you know, and I, I have to say that there's so many things in my life and so many things around here have happened simply because I ask for them. But I, when I ask, I don't ask like just once. I ask a lot. You know, I've gotten in the habit of kind of figuring this out a little bit. But also I figured something else out. At an early age, just learning from six years old on, I mean, I've had some of the most astounding things happen to me. And I, I learned how much God likes me. I learned how much, how willing he is. You know, I had goals in my high school grades, you know, to get certain things. And I, I screwed up in typing, you know, and... uh I just could not type. I still can't. I mean, it's just ridiculous. She's the one that she used to teach typing for heaven's sake. So uh, I married a typing teacher, but I've never I've been disabled somehow in the area of I mean, keyboards. I just you know, and uh, so I got so many good grades for so long, and then I end up getting a horrid C in typing. And it was over a summer class, and I was so upset. You know, it was the only C I ever got, and I'm just thinking about it. So I began to pray, Lord, change that grade. I asked God to change that grade. I prayed every day from the time I was a sophomore in high school all the way till, till through like two years. And so I'm in conversation one day with this lady across the street. She's a teacher, a high school teacher. I said, oh, and she said, she's, I'm so proud of you. You've done so good in school. I said, yeah, I'm pretty excited except I got a stupid C. She said, what did you get a C? And I said, typing. She said, well, well, how did you, when, when was that? I said, well, I was in summer school and I, and, uh, she said, who was the teacher? I said, I gave her a name. And she says, uh, I know that person. Really? How do you know her? Well, she teaches at my high school now. 
Well, this was in summer school and stuff. You know, I'll talk with her. I said, what? She says, I'll talk with her. And so she talked with her. He says, well, tell him if he takes it again and it gets an A, we'll make sure he gets an A instead of a C. Wow. I didn't even know you could do stuff like that. I had no idea. I just kept throwing it up because I've just, you know, I learned how to do stuff like that. I just kept throwing things, things that look, seem, oh, well, you got a grade. Once a grade, all a grade. Well, you know what? Next time I took typing, the miracle was I got an A in typing. Second thing was that actually they changed the grade from a C to an A on my transcript. It's amazing. I mean, so like, okay, so that's no big deal, right? But wonder if you start applying that to bigger things, really big things, like discipling nations and things like that, right? What happens when you start going there? Well, so we've been seeing some incredibly unusual things happening in that area as well. Things I never thought I would see in my lifetime, you know. I think in India alone, we're working on 30,000 churches now, and uh, which is a, quite a move of God, and it's not dependent on me by any means. Although I have to say, I prayed that, right, and uh, and along with others, and of course those over there overseas and the apostolic ministries over there are the ones that have been inaugurating. But we've contributed a huge amount of money toward those projects because. India is now wide open for the gospel. Another thing I prayed for for many, many years, I never thought I would see the day, honestly. It scourged me so much I didn't even want to go back. It's such a difficult place. But uh, these things of revival and movement and change in your business and so on, you know, one of my favorite prayer meetings that we do is our business prayer meeting. For me, people that don't go to a business prayer meeting, I think are they're insane. I think they're out of their mind. You know why? Because I routinely see God change business, change people, bring customers, bring whatever, you know. We've been doing that for years. and We're online now. We did it in person. I like that better. Maybe I'll go back that way uh, as we get some of these rooms finished. But I'm telling you, you are made to manipulate your environment. And I, by manipulate, that's usually a bad word, but I mean in a good way. He said, do it and just do it in Jesus' name, right? And then pray for good things, things that God wants, things that God would like. That's why business is such a great thing. So you either get the sale or you don't get the sale. You either get the job or you don't get the job. You either get fired or you don't get fired. <laughs> you either have a partner or you don't. You either, you know what I mean? There's so many really tangible things. So you pray it and then you can come back and find out if you got the answer, right? It's not like way up there in the atmosphere somewhere and so many things are so pressing and moving so fast, right? That it's just the perfect place to pray. So one of my favorite places to pray is in our uh, business prayer meetings. And everything that you see around here, everything that we've done over overseas in here has been prayed in, and there are things now in motion right now that we're praying for. I never dreamed we'd have a Christian school again, especially on the level we have now. I never, uh, man, I just, you know, but when COVID happened, we started praying. God, we're going to have to do something about this educational thing, and uh, we got to make some changes. And I didn't want to do those, but I, I thought, and I didn't know where to start, what to do. So we just began praying about it, praying about it, and then God sent the right person, da 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 before you know it, boom, boom, and then it just began to emerge. And now we have this really cool school that's really different. It's really the way we do things, and really effective, really powerful, and that's extending now, bumping up into high school, and by God's grace, we'll also be doing more on the university level as well. We'll let you know about that as that unfolds. That's sort of a new and hot off the griddle <laughs> uh, that we're doing, right? And uh, the old warehouse, it's a very interesting thing. I've wanted to do the warehouse a long time. One of the greatest gifts God ever gave me 
was the situation that arose in the uh, 07, 08 when we lost our major tenant in that big building. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack or something. I mean, it was like, <sighs> I was a big chunk of money just gone and no nobody in sight, right? Nobody in sight to lease it. And it was a great opportunity for me to finally say, well, you know what? I want to do this for years. Wouldn't it be something if we just turned this warehouse into a place where people got food, you know? Well, 50,000 square feet was a little much for me, but I thought, well, maybe I can use a corner of it, right? Maybe a little bit more of it. And uh, I'm not going to see anybody anyway for a while in the tent. So I just began to pray. And then we put some food out. And to my astonishment in Laguna Niguel, people started standing in line. I couldn't believe it. I just put some food. Then they started giving me other stuff, which I didn't expect. Bicycles and everything you can imagine. You know, and I'm thinking, what? They'd given me this stuff. And I got mad because I thought I'm going to have to throw it all away, you know? And, and then I have to pay for throwing it away. I didn't want to pay for anything. I was having a hard enough time as it was, right? Then somebody said, why don't you sell the, a couple of those things? They look pretty good to me. Okay, fine. So I began to sell it, right? And pretty soon I figured out, whoa, I could make money, pay the rent, and I could also, like, feed people and also clothe and house them. And that's what we've been doing ever since. It was just a great opportunity, right? And believe me. I prayed through every step of that, thinking, you know, thinking, and I just kind of <laughs> praying on one side of my mouth, the other side of my mouth, praying, God, please, if you just show that tenant, you know, we'll do something else with this over here, but I just need a tenant really bad, too. So I'm trying to go back and forth. Pretty soon, the prayers for the, the, the Mercy Warehouse began to grow heart stronger than the ones for, for, the, for the tenant, and pretty soon, I forgot about the tenant and began to think, hmm, this has got some possibilities, and I began to water it. We began to seek God and pray, and, and I tell you, from a childhood on... Uh, uh, I've learned that uh, there's a glory to asking and receiving. Jesus emphasized it over and over again. Sometimes when we think of prayer, we just think of it as some sort of discipline that we're supposed to do. It's one of those supposed tos, like reading your Bible you're supposed to do, right? And we just don't see the opportunity. We don't see the possibilities. We think of God as sort of like this religious taskmaster, you know, Put your prayer in. Put your Bible reading in, you know. Serve me. <laughs> and all the while he's saying, look, i got plenty of opportunity here for you. You read your Bible, you're going to find out what's possible. And then you pray it, you can pray it into, into being, right? And so this is what's possible. This is what you can pray into being. Everything from healing, you name it, into business life, every area of life, everywhere, right? This is the way God gave us to, with him, manipulate our, father, uh, our environment. So um, I just learned through the years how gracious he is as a father, how supernatural he is, how he transcends things, how much he likes faith and compassion, and uh, how real he is. All these things I've learned in this glory of asking and receiving. So if you look on your outline, one of the greatest revelations found in the teaching of Jesus is that God wants us to ask and receive blessings from him. It's simple, but grand. It's a grand plan, right? Otherwise, Jesus sort of stays in the history books, but through this vehicle of prayer and other things, he's given it, made it possible for what's in the book, right, to come off, off the page in our experience. And so, reading from uh, John 16, verses 22 to uh, 28. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and will rejoice, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Whoa. Now, I don't know if the disciples fully believe that or not, but that was huge. Because now he's leaving the scene, which they didn't like at all. And then he's saying, you know what, it's good that you, I'm going, because you know what, now you can ask. 
You're going to be my representative. You're going to ask the Father. Until now, you've not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. A lot of people's joy in their walk with the Lord is not complete. They have all this hanging stuff, things that haven't happened, things are disappointed about it, all of it, with no seeming way to change it. Just that God was a bummer. <laughs> he didn't cover me. Or Satan is a bummer. And here I am in this spiritual warfare and I've left helpless. You are not helpless. If you've got Jesus on your lips and a prayer on your lips, you are very powerful. You just don't know it. You just sort of blend into your environment. The Christian environment is as dull to prayer almost as the uh, environment out there, right? We live in a secular culture which doesn't have much room for prayer. As a matter of fact, when we think about prayer, we just think of a hopeless thing that we may cast out and hope that maybe God does something for us, right? You know, that guy doesn't have a prayer of doing it, this thing, right? I mean, how in the world did that get in there? This guy doesn't have a prayer of doing <laughs> <laughs> Even those sayings like that reflect in our general culture and our general atmosphere where we're at. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I'll no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. And that day you will ask in my name. See, it was good that Jesus left because we become little Jesus. You know, not of course like divine like him, but we have the Spirit inside of us and we begin to do what he did, right? I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So anybody that believes that Jesus came from God is in this category. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So interestingly enough, in his discourse, as he's about to leave, he leaves them with this knowledge of asking for things, of praying. That day, verse 23, that day, he says, you will no longer ask me anything, but you'll ask the Father, right? started when Jesus, in that stage, that day, literally, in that day you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That day started when Jesus died for our sins, proved he was God, rose from the dead. Since then there has been unparalleled beauty and joy in asking and receiving things from God. And Jesus is our great intercessor, praying along with us. He even inspires us what to pray. So does the Spirit. And so what he did on the cross paved the way not only to be forgiven for our sins, but this incredible lifestyle, this incredible way of dealing with God, this incredible, we should say, access to God. We have access to God. Not just old mothers and grandmothers, people that pray in a closet and that kind of treat you nice and pray for you until they're going to pray. Not everyone. Matter of fact, I think some of the most foolish people in the world are business people that don't pray. You think that if you make a lot of money and you get your dreams, you think then you'll be okay and the devil will leave you alone? If you make a lot of money, you're a big target. You became the biggest target you could ever imagine. You don't like to think of that. You think, well, oh, if I have a lot of money, I take care of my... No, 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 no. No, the war has just begun for you. The enemy will try to take everything that you have. He'll steal everything that's dearest to you. He'll attack everything. When you get money, you get more authority. And when you get more authority, you just become a bigger target, right? So if you don't know your way around the authority figures, the demonic realms and the angels and all of it, you're in a big trouble. Because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And so you become a bigger target the more successful you become. In any area of life, the more visible you become. Because the more visible you become, the more authority you can wield, right, in the supernatural. Right? So the more you prosper, the more you target you become. But then 
Also, the more you can do in the natural, I mean the supernatural, with your money and natural, but there's one other caveat. You've got to do it God's way. And you've got to let God help you work out the newfound authority you've given and A, keep from getting hammered into the ground. <laughs> B, take that money, multiply it, and cause it to grow by the glory of God. Honestly, for a prayer and a giver, for business people or people that have been given great authority, I don't think there's many limits. You know, I don't think there's many limits for anybody. But when you put it in that position, right, instead of the enemy coming and stealing your family, crushing you with drugs and every kind of problem you can imagine in lawsuits, you get to fuel great mighty movements in the world, like in India. It's not only in India, it's not just evangelists, it's, po it's powerful business people have been fueling that revival for years. And so we just send them out and they bring the converts. It, India has become a ripe place for the Lord. How in the world it happened, I would never would have believed it. And other parts of the world. Matter of fact, the whole world's becoming ripe. So we just send the laborers out in the harvest, and it's harvest time right now, now than ever before. And business people, people with a lot of money, people with a lot of influence, have tremendous power in this area. But Wherever you gain influence, whether it's in the arts or in your particular area or in your particular school where you teach or whatever position God's put you, it's amazing how God wants to use you, but you can wield that power you've been given, whether you're the principal of a school or whether be a manager at your work or, or just starting out, whatever, you can wield that power through, the, through prayer and intercession. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. Prayer's not fire insurance. Praying so you won't get hit. What a stupid way to pray. You only pray because you don't want to get hit. You don't want to get something taken from you. Well, that's wise, actually. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. But there's a whole bunch of other parts in the prayer, by the way, right? Give us this day our daily bread. It isn't a menial prayer. It's a, a prayer of provision. It's a prayer of open doors for financial well-being. It's not just eking out a living Give us this day our daily bread. I came, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it abundantly. Have life and have it abundantly. So that includes all areas. But what the core of all of it is our relationship with the Lord, because in prayer is communion. It, it's not only that we ask things, but we hear things back from God. He tells us to do this. He tells us to do that, right? And so, uh, just as I mentioned, and there's lots of things that have been started here around here and in the nations, because we just had a word that the Lord spoke to us, and then we just prayed that over that word and soaked it, and then it began to emerge. That can happen in your life. It can happen over your kids, your family, your household. If you look at B on your outline, communion with Jesus produces the good fruit of answered prayer. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So your devotional life is a way that you sort of begin to know the Lord and you learn his desires. You tank up on what he likes and what he doesn't like. You get to know him, right? When we take delight in the Lord, he gives us also the desires of our heart. I love Psalm 37, 3 and 4 so much. This is, oh, this is such a blessing. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, taking delight in the Lord means you take delight in the Lord in every area of your life. It's not just to give a little time on Sunday morning or whenever. You take delight in everything. You want everything to be the Lord's. Everything about your life, your kids, your family, your business, your secular life, so to speak, you know. 
all of it. Just take delight in the Lord in all of it and, and see what the Lord does with it. Wrong desires come from communing with the wrong father. James chapter 4, 1 to 6. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. That happens too much in church. My goodness. It's just got all kinds of sanctified religious names to it, but oh my gosh. This happens even in churches. You do not have because you do not ask God. (laughs) When you ask, you do not receive because you ask the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So all you got to do is don't be friends with the world, be humble before God and make sure you tell him what you need and talk to him and worship and just have a relationship with him, right? When we take delight in the Lord, He gives us the desires of our heart. I, I, I really like that whole thing. You desire, but you don't, you don't have, so you kill. You know, you have all these desires, but, but you have all these crazy motives. But you know what? There's nothing like the abundant life that Jesus offers in every area of your life. Whether that, well, you name it, God's abundant. He likes all. He wants to give you peace in every area, in your relationships, your family, your money, your career, school, your kids, whatever, right? Oh, my. And so, communing with the wrong father is just stupid. It's really stupid, right? Because he's like the father. Okay, call him the father. The father of, who? what is that? Let's see, I think he's the father of lies. He's also called a thief. And let's see what he does. He only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So why do you want to be friends with somebody like that? Well, he dupes you into thinking he's an angel of light or that this is a good thing or whatever, but... We know better. We know our Father. And the long, longer you walk with God, the more you know your Father. And actually, one way to get to know the Father really, really well is to pray a lot and watch for the answers. Not only just pray a lot, but watch for the answers. So I'll get more into that maybe a little bit. I've learned that um, that's goes. we go too far from A to Z. When we pray for something, we learn to go to A to B to C. We need to look for the signs of what's going on. We learn to look for the outline of something, and then we just keep calling it forth, right? So we actually go on these prayer journeys. I like to call them journeys. So when I'm praying for something, I go, okay, here's the journey. You know, so I'm on a journey. I've got several faith journeys I'm on right now. Some of them are just at the beginning of, right? I've been constantly in my life on prayer journeys. Where, where am I going, you know? i got all kinds of, i got journeys that I've taken my family, journeys we take in the church, new things we're doing, you know, new opportunities, new things for me, all kinds of stuff, right? I tried to take a journey with golf, but it hasn't worked out so well. I can't seem to penetrate golf with my prayer life. It just doesn't seem to... Anyway, I still like it. Praise God. Someday. So, look at Roman numeral 2. Everything starts with believing God and His promises. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Verses 6 to 14. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You really know me. You, if you really know me, you will know the Father as well. From now on, you do, know, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
He's thinking, yeah, just make the big guy show up. We'll be fine, right? Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Then he shifts gears. He's trying to get them to understand his position, the Father's position. Then listen to this. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, just like he believed he was from the Father, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater works than these. Really? That changes your whole paradigm there. If you really actually believe that, you'll change the whole church. Do even greater works than these, these greater things than these? How could that be? That sounds sacrilegious. Uh, well, Jesus himself said it. You know, I'd really get thrilled when you represent me and you do even greater works than these. Just like I've been representing the Father, uh, when you represent me, I want you to do greater things because I'm going to the Father and I'm leaving you in charge now. And I, there it is again, We'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When you ask for things and you receive them in Jesus' name, the Father gets glorified in the Son. The Father likes it. That's why I'm sure glad I sent my Son because, oh, now I've got many sons. And now they're all asking me stuff. And it's so great. We're changing the world together. You may ask me for anything. Now, I've kind of stretched that sometimes. But for the most part, anything means anything in my name, and I will do it. And if you're stretching in a direction, maybe going a little bit backwards or whatever, God will show you that too. But ah, I don't think that many people have stretched the limits to see what anything means. I've been pushing on it pretty hard for a long time. Like I said, my golf scores haven't changed yet. But a whole lot of other things have changed, things that you would not think are important, but they're important to me. Right? They're personal. Is God personal or not? When you find out personally is in prayer, you'll fall in love with him all over again. And you will pray. It's just so we don't think he's that personal. That good of God. And why he's just sort of distant. We think maybe he's just like yanking our chain around a little bit. We don't know what's going on, you know. I asked for that one time ten years ago and it didn't happen, so I don't know. We get offended way too easily. That would be the devil, <laughs> right? That's him working in your life, trying to steal your blessing. Trying to just take this verse away from you. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But let me just say that when you begin to ask for things, school is now in session. When you get serious about asking things, you will learn all about God. He will show you about answered prayer. He will show you about what to pray for and what not to pray for, how he works, how he doesn't work. School becomes in session for the person who decides to commit their life to the glory of of asking and receiving. Hebrews defines what it is to know and please God. And I want to just read from uh, Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Whoa. Could I say that again? Okay, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah, yeah, i got to believe God, yeah. But um, here's what I mean by that. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Okay, I got that part. But that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So actually, pleasing God 
actually comes when we believe and trust Him and to reward our earnestly seeking Him. So it's part of the process of a walk with the Lord, right? He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Without faith it's impossible to please God. And one of the ways you please God is to earnestly seek Him about all kinds of stuff. About our nation, you know, about whatever is important to you, about your children, your family, your work, whatever it's important, right? You know, it's amazing what happened when that teacher somehow just said, I know her name, you know, how could I remember my first grade Sunday school teacher? I just remember her name because she said something to me that somehow as a little kid just sunk in so deep. She, she showed me that I could actually pray and receive. And I just took it at face value as a simple child, and I began to pray over everything, all kinds of things. And when I saw them become to come to pass, it built my faith. I began to think, wow, this is pretty good, you know. And I began to walk with God. At first I was a little bit shy about it, but then I sort of began to notice more and more, right? And I began to take that into my teenage years. I began to take it into my adult years, and, and I, I never forgot. It's just the glory of asking and receiving. Jesus takes every believer of faith, but every believer on faith journeys to teach us how to pray, trust, and receive. Over time, we begin to know the Lord better and better and better. I like this thing about journeys. Every time I'm pursuing something in prayer, I button down the hatches, I get ready, because I, <laughs> I know I'm about to go on a trip, right? So you start praying this one direction, and as you earnestly pray it, God shows you something else and else, and then you start doing this and that. And then as you're praying, what I call a, a prayer journey or a faith journey is you take the first step, but then there's another step, and then there's another step. So actually praying is like going on a journey with God. You just go on a trip. So in the process, He shapes you. He's really tricky that way. He makes you more like Him <laughs> in the process, all the while showing you how to pray showing you what you really wanted to pray or showing you that you're right on the mark, that's exactly what you should have been praying. Now you've got to fight for it, right? You were right all along. When we began to do the warehouse and other things around here, uh, even the school recently, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, am I doing, oh Lord, have mercy. You know, are we going the right way? This is, whoa, this is really painful. This is going to be take a long time. Da, da, da. And as he began to answer, I go, oh, that was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'm getting the hang of it. Don't do it this way, but do it that way. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. You mean I don't I no tenants, just rent the whole do the whole Yeah, okay, I'll do the whole I get it. Okay. Oh, you can sell that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm gonna bring your son in here and he really knows how to sell stuff. And that's what happened. And he really knows how, man. I tell you what, God gifted him, right? So that area. And now we've got this school and other things in other things in the future I'm thinking about, praying about. School of ministry, back there with Bruce. All these things, every kind of worship ministry, sounds, writing music, all of it's been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. Ministry of the weak, the poor, the, the, the housing. I was in front of the city the other day, a bunch of leaders, and they were asking me about housing, which I thought was so weird, you know, because I feel so insecure and uneasy about it. But I found myself saying things to them that they probably should listen to, you know. And uh, I felt the Lord gave me, because of what we've been experimenting in trying to house people, authority, you know, and to talk to them. I'm thinking, and then pretty soon, like, I'm getting bossy. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm getting bossy. Here I am. Like, they don't know me for Adam. They want me to, I know, I hope I'm not 
I hope I'm representing God asked me to do it. Oh, well, but I just got bossy. I started getting bossy. And, I said, and furthermore, I think <laughs> it was my one chance to say something to the city, so I, I let them have both barrels, right? But I think both of the barrels were fairly loaded with God. So <laughs> fairly, I suppose there was a little bit of irritation there too because I'd seen some stupid stuff. But, but for the most part, I think it was loaded with God, right? So let's look at Roman numeral 3. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes, so it will be even more powerful, more fruitful. That's one of the most dangerous passages in the whole Bible there. <laughs> Whoa, boy. You don't bear fruit, you get pruned. If you bear fruit, you get pruned, so you get more fruit, because God's after more, not less, right? So even things that we think are a loss, for the person that's on a journey with God, a prayer journey with God, even when you think you're losing, you're gaining. You can't miss. If he cuts a branch off, there's going to be a bigger one grow back next week. That's really important what I just said there. So what happens is sometimes we'll get into a thing and we'll be pursuing something, a job or, uh, you know, buying something or doing something with a family or kind of make whatever. And then we start stepping forward and it's pretty good for a while. And then all of a sudden, bam, off comes a branch. What the heck? I was moving this way and now I'm losing. God, what's the... I thought you wanted me to go here. Now like I'm going broke. What's the matter, you know? He just pruned off a branch so it could grow back in a different way. That's a great promise. One of the most powerful passages in the whole Bible is all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Even you make a mistake, He'll cause the branch to grow back. You know why? Because you have this little thing in your mouth, a little tongue, and all you say is, Daddy, I messed up. Please, grow more. Thank you very much. Amen. That's all you got to do. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Just so stay close to Jesus. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up. So the most important thing is keep following Jesus. Then, look at it. He comes right back to the subject again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, hey, while you're there, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Can we actually have that much freedom? Yes. Yes. So for you that have employees, you know, there's all kinds of employees. And everybody's probably been an employee, right? So you know it from that standpoint. But if you have an employee, the best employees aren't the ones that just follow everything you do to the last detail, right? Because you can't, you don't have time to tell them all the last details, right? You don't have time to tell them every little thing that comes up. The best employees are the ones that can kind of manage and go, mm, I think I know what he would do. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll take care of this. And they represent the person, the owner. And they do things the way he would do them, but they're the ones that are doing it. And occasionally they come up with ideas that are even better than the owner had. <laughs> so you know, I tried this, I think it's better this way. Oh, good job. Those are the kind of people we like to hire, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See, there's this freedom under the whole thing of remaining the Lord where He gives you your ideas. He delights when you come up with things, creative things, thoughts. He might put them in there or maybe not. He just sort of comes here. But you come in, you kind of, oh, I think, wow, what a creative thing. We could do this. We could do that. Sometimes we think of God as so like, you know, do this, do that, you know, da, da, do it. We're so busy trying to do things right, we don't even represent the Lord. 
He likes your free will. He likes your creativity. He likes you to invent and do stuff. As long as it falls along the general umbrella of representing him, he's good. That means that prayer has so many possibilities out there. There's so much possibility for creativity. Sometimes we've allowed the fear of the Lord, what we call the fear of the Lord, to stifle our creativity when it's just the opposite. God loves our creativity. And when you know someone, you know what they like. So I'm going to do this a little bit different, but I know he's going to love it. Dad's going to really like this, right? And if he doesn't like it, he'll tell you. <laughs> but this is the right way. This frees you up to pray for things. Pray for crazy things. And I don't even tell you half the stuff I pray for. Some things I'm, I pray for, I'm so embarrassed. I manipulated a whole baseball game one time in the College World Series. I'm not kidding. Because I was praying all year long that John's ERA would be a certain thing. It was the last game, finals in the College World Series, not the finals, but the last game right before the final. And he was pitching... And I wanted his ERA, for you don't know, is a little measure of how well you do, right? And I wanted his to be under three. So the whole year he's under three. But just barely, right? His last inning, he pitches in his whole college career. I'm sitting in the stands. And all of a sudden, a guy gets a hit, and the guy rounds the corner, scores. And I go, no! Because I pushed it to 3.01. I don't want no 3.01, no! I've been praying this entire stinking year. Under three, under three, No! I literally stood up, and I almost shouted, but then I thought it embarrassed my wife too much. I stood up, I looked around. No! And then there's a timeout, and all the umpires come around, they're gathered around. Hmm. They have a little powwow, and they send all the runners back. And there's only one person at the stadium doing exactly what was going on there that day. And I don't even remember what it was that they sent him back for. One of them might have left earlier. I don't even know, but they all sent him back. He finished the inning under three for his whole for his for his uh, senior for his junior year, his last year of college. That was it, right? Now, that's very personal and manipulative. <laughs> but like we've been on this journey together, like. You know, our family's got a little baseball journey stuff, you know. And my kids have learned a lot about God through it, right? And I've learned a lot about God. But he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So sometimes it just really stretches into areas that don't sound too spiritual. But at the end, guess who loves God even more? Oh, God, you are so great. I can't believe you did that for me. You, you, you did that. You pulled all those guys back. And, and John finished, oh, man, that's so cool. I knew it. I knew it. Like you know, and I just came. Well, I didn't care what happened after that. It was awesome. This is to, then. The, look what he says here. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I guess God gets glorified through stuff like that. We gain a testimony. The world's looking for a God that loves us, is on our side, wants us to do well. And when they learn that that's true, they will do anything for God. They will sacrifice, they will move, because they're, they're, they're worshiping a friend. They're worshiping someone that they love and who controls the universe <laughs> at the same time, right? All right. Jesus is the true vine. We bring forth fruit by embracing his lifestyle. And then I like that, whatever you wish, partner. Um, it's easy to partner with God. This is Roman numeral three. When we like the same stuff, we're God's handiwork created to ask for and do great works. Christians are made to call out for great and unsearchable things. 
We are made to ask for the great purposes and designs God has for our city, nation, and the whole earth. That's why we should be praying in this time now more than ever. But you know what? Our prayers are not desperate prayers. We actually have something to do with this environment that we're in right now. Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That is our mission right now. When we call to God, He shows us great and unsearchable things we don't know. Things that we don't know about the motives behind people, why the world works the way it does, things that God has for us, things that we can replace uh, uh, and, and become productive in the world. Just things. He'll call you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Our whole culture is one big entrepreneurial culture that delights in discovering the latest discovery, the latest invention, the latest breakthrough. Christians should be at the forefront of all that. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know, and it won't be polluted. It won't be tainted. It won't be confused with the devil. It will not cooperate with the philosophies of this world. It will be helpful on its own, supernaturally powered by me. This is the day for us to hear great and unsearchable things we don't know, don't know about everything in our life. Man, one great one would be just having a little peace in your heart. But you're not always panicky and afraid. Maybe teaching people how they can actually be calm in the midst of their troubles and their trials, right? Things like that. The whole world's looking for such things like that, right? And this is Jesus' heart. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus is concerned about the world, but the way the workers will go out of the harvest is somebody's asking, somebody's expecting the workers to go out of the harvest. One thing I like about business and our business prayer meetings is you are out in the harvest. You're out in the world. When you're out in the world of business, that's you. You're, you're his representative. Many of you are out there in positions you didn't even know or didn't want necessarily, but you're out there for his harvest. You're out there because of this, this passage. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we think of missionaries and pastors, and, then, and so it is. But most of us that are sent out are in the context of our life where we spend all our hours, and that's where your harvest field is. And so you've been sent out. Sometimes you guys are working in places you didn't ever imagine. You come back to me and you say, man, this is a very dark place. Well, aren't you glad? And I say back to you, aren't you glad Jesus sent you there? You became the light right there. I'm looking at a light bulb right there. Dawn. Her name's Dawn. That should tell you something. So she goes and works in all these workplaces, shines like a light everywhere. I don't even think I've ever seen you frown. You look like you're crying a little bit, but never frown. Amazing. And so what happens is her employers see the same thing. This lady, always positive, bubbly, every happy, you know, and everything. Man, they love her around because she changes the atmosphere where she goes. And then she makes some, some more money, and then she goes to the next place. Right? Isn't that right? Wow. God's rep. That's who you are. You've been a sales rep for a lot of things, but you're God's rep, and you sell it very, very well. So I know, even in advance... What's happening whenever you're going to go to a new place? And you, and you don't know exactly the, the, the nicest places with the, where Jesus is like everybody's on every lips, right? You go to very dark places. 
Some of us, we go to very dark places. Well, you get to transform that place. That might be your assignment, right? You got sent to the mission field, and there it is. I didn't mean work. I meant Cambodia. Or I meant China. I meant, you know, over there, you know, where all the signs and wonders are happening. Not in my, my job. Good grief. It's so dark in there. You can't imagine how they manipulate and control people. Ooh, maybe you could give some abundance and life in there. Maybe you could give some suggestions. Maybe you could turn the thing. No, not me. I mean, it's, they're, they're helpless. Well, so there's this little thing called prayer. And if you pray for the owner of that company, he might just get converted. Or if you pray for all those people, they might just come to Jesus. And when they get a hold of the Lord, you show them how, they might just turn this whole thing around, right? Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess I could do that, right? It all depends on your theology, actually, of how powerful you are in prayer, right? Which is what we're talking about, the glory of of asking and receiving. Some of you are plants in the place that you've been planted because God wants you to pray for that owner, that person, that manager, that coworker every single day until they get saved. Your assignment may be to make money, but your other assignment is for people to come to Christ. Your whole, whole assignment, may God put you someplace but one year to see a family turned and saved and rearranged. Right? Some of you have assignments like that. That's why you're in the place that you're in. That's why you're there be better to discover that purpose and start praying the glory of asking and receiving. And then God might change your assignment. <laughs> then you can go on somewhere else. Or maybe you just might transfer the whole place and pretty soon you can begin to like that place. Hey, this is a pretty good deal, right? This place is full of believers now. Wow. Guess why they're full of believers? Because you prayed and you asked, right? And as we look at Matthew 24, 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will preach in the whole world, be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the end will come. That's part of our great destiny. One of our great prayer destinies is this verse, because that's when the end comes. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Guess how it starts? We start praying for nations and getting burdens. We deal at the heavenlies so that God can then do, clean up the rest on the earth. That is part of the way the pattern has always been. It's always been that way. Beware when you get a burden for Brazil or China or some country. Begin to pray for them and intercede for them. Your prayers make all the difference. And maybe you get sent there. Maybe you don't. But you can always go there in prayer, right? It's part of our destiny. Lastly, Romans number 4. You can look on your outline there. God's love releases freedom to do the master's business and make requests as his friends. I've already been touching that a little bit. But I really like this whole concept of friends and uh, with God. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is uh, John 15, 7. In my words, remain you ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. You keep seeing that little pesky scripture coming back. Ask, 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 ask. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's all there, right? The glory of asking and receiving. It's all through the New Testament. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Are you kidding me? This is my fa- to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Getting lots of prayer answered glorifies the Father. Just stay and let His words remain in you. Let Him show you how to pray, what to pray. But he says, ask whatever you wish. You know why you can ask whatever you wish? Because you and the Father are one. You like each other. You like each other. So have you ever had a friend that you you and he like the same thing or you and her like the same thing? You know what they're going to do before. If you see something or you, you can pick something out in the store for them because you know they're going to like it, right? That's the way we are with God. We get to know him so well. Oh, God really liked this. This is really cool. God really likes this kind of thing. See, that's the place we're all going, right? And we can we can ask for those things. And it changes the whole situation. We actually begin to love the people we're around. We know what God thinks about them. Wow. We're his amazing representatives, aren't we? And we love because why? He first loved us. 
And can I just say, as a springboard into all of this, something we've been learning a lot about around here, I call them tangible hugs. So that's another way to say phileo, which is another word for love in the New Testament. A tangible hug. A phileo is demonstrated natural affection. It's when we, it's something you can see, right? It's a phileo, brotherly sort of thing, right? So when we get hugs from our Father, we get become sensitive to those, the needs of those around us. Uh, John 5:19. I think I mentioned this last week, but, but I, one of my favorite passages, 5:19 and 20. It affects everything, the glory of asking, in a big, big, big way. I'm in 15 now here. Let me get to 5. It says there, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And I talked about this last week, but it's one of my favorite passages. Maybe it's become maybe my favorite passage for a while. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, He will show Him even greater where works than these, so that you will be amazed. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. So the Father loves you, and then He shows you what He's doing, and then you pray it into being. Could it be that simple? Could it be that amazing? It's easy to pray for a person you begin to love. It's easy to pray for a person or a situation where you think you know the Father's in it. Right? So many of you maybe work in really godless situations, but wait till you get the Father's eyes for one of those employees or one of those owners. It doesn't matter anymore. When you get the Father's eyes and you begin to love them with that compassion, you begin this prayer trail with them and you will change their lives. Sometimes it takes that, that sensitivity, right? But God loves to make us sensitive. He gives us compassion for people. Whenever I feel compassion for another person, I know I'm on. That's my job. They're mine. That's how I know with the homeless anymore. I stopped worrying a long time ago when I'm dealing with the homeless about this, this, and this. If I feel God's compassion for them, they're mine. I've got to go take care of them. Right? And then that mine, and then I'm free. You know what I mean? I'm free. I could just give them 50 bucks and that's it, or 10 bucks. That might be the end of it. But if I have compassion on them, God will then tell me what else to do. They come back and say, well, I like that thing you did the other day. Why don't you do this? Okay, fine. Why don't you do that? That thing that's coming in from love for a person that God gives is one of the most powerful, powerful things that's when you really get into the glory of asking and receiving. When I love someone, when God gives me a heart for them, I have this unique ability to pray for them. I have an unusual stature with them. When I love another person, God puts a burden on for my our situation. Like your daughter, Frank. Frank, your daughter's on my heart. So I have an unusual ability to pray for her and your whole family, as far as that's concerned. So I watch for those burdens the Lord puts on us. When I get those burdens, I begin to pray. I intercede. I, I take it. And it's not hard for me to pray because love's motivating me. Could love actually be that plentiful? Yes. It's just that we don't teach enough about the inbreaking of God's love into the heart. We don't talk enough about it. So we don't talk enough about it. We don't emphasize it enough. So we don't move in that around. But I tell you what, when you begin to love people, when you begin to get the love of God for people, you begin to pray for them on a whole other level. It becomes a glorious thing. When you're motivated by love for a person, even when they're ornery and nasty and dumb and everything, or shooting themselves in the foot, you have a glory on you to ask and receive. And you don't mind praying for them, because love frees your heart. I tell you, the Father's love and prayer go so hand in hand. It's part of the glory of asking and receiving. The love of parents helps us understand God's response to us. 
And, uh, and so I'm going to just finish here with Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. He's talking about prayer here. And then he says this. So I say to you, he just given us the Lord's Prayer. He talks about a friend like who wouldn't open the door at midnight uh, for, to give some bread, but because he kept knocking and persisting, right? There's that concept again. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. What a deal. And actually the verb tense there is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. For everyone who keeps seeking finds. And the one who keeps knocking the door will be opened. Which if your father or your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Give God to those who ask Him. The glory of asking and receiving. I'm telling you, this is where a lot of action's at. Learning to pray for people, learning to take journeys with prayer concerns, prayer things. The reason why you see me walking around on that land over there is I'm on a journey. So people make fun of me. Federal agents ask me what I'm doing. I'm just preparing for what comes next. I'm sowing. You know, I'm not always right. Sometimes I screw up. But I enjoy going on the journey just dreaming. And I found out something else. Sometimes when I latch onto something I think I want really, really bad, and I'm praying and I'm praying and praying for it, God likes it. He respects so much I'm praying. Even if I'm praying for the wrong thing, He gives me the something better that I actually really want. And He substitutes it. Could God be that good? Come on! The reason why you don't pray enough, we don't pray enough, is we don't think God's that great. If we thought He was that great, we wouldn't stop praying. It's like a soft dad, you know. You ever seen a soft dad, and their kids come to him, and they can't resist, and so everybody knows. And they, it might not be the mom, or it might be the mom and not the dad. Everybody, you know, kids know instinctively, go her, go him first, and then we'll work on the other one later, right? Right? See, it's the same thing in the kingdom, isn't it? Let's all stand. So I'd like our, our ministry team to come up a little bit. And um, one of the reasons why we have people that pray with other people is because there's this little unique caveat in the Bible. If two of you agree about anything, it'll be done. So like there's this prayer of agreement that comes up in the front. So you might not know anybody in this whole church. But you say, you know, I've got this thing I want to pray over. I'm so inspired. I want to pray. Let's have another person agree with you about it. Because if two or three Bible says agree about anything, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. So that's another little sneaky thing that we get to do with prayer. Find another person to pray with us and agree with us about something. They could be a complete stranger as long as they're a believer. Are you guys all believers? Everybody a Christian up here? Okay, good, thank you. All right, good. So that's good. So we got half of the equation right here, right? I'm going to help a little bit this mor uh, morning. As we have our prayer time, we'll be dismissing in just a, a moment for all of you. So I've got, I got some burdens on my heart uh, that I think, uh, and so you, if, even if this isn't you, you come up anyway if you've got something that you really like to pray about, right? So I, I, I feel like uh, there's a few people here that are under financial duress. By that I mean maybe you're facing bankruptcy or maybe it's just a heavy thing. Maybe you have a load to carry that you just don't know if it's ever going to disappear. You are under it. And... Uh, and it's just manipulating your environment. You can wake up in the morning, you're thinking about you don't have enough money. You're, 
You're wondering how you're going to pay this thing off. You're wondering what you're going to do. And I would say there's a, maybe another category of person that may be in their living situation, something similar. You're just so distressed because you can't figure out where your next living situation is going to come from. So, like, when we do that, so I'm, I'm just giving you an invitation. You might want to come up if you have that sort of issue and any other issue you care about. But those are two that I was especially interested in and I felt the Lord put on my heart. So you might want to come up and get some prayer about that. Matter of fact, I highly recommend it because I think that came from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But anything that you have, sickness in your body, hey, you never know when something may happen. Finally, that knee that you've been troubled with all these years, somebody on this day prays for you and it gets well. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I especially encourage all you people that are um, just maybe strangers to our church, um, don't be afraid. We'll be up here. I may need some more prayer help. And uh, I'm just going to pray a general prayer over you, okay? And we'll close the service. Actually, we're just opening it in a new way here, right? So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I recruit prayer warriors, people that learn to pray. I recruit you in Jesus' name. May God take my words and show you the opportunity, what's possible in your prayer life, what's possible between you and God. Even when we're worshiping here, why don't you grab your wife's hand or a friend's hand while you're where you're sitting and ask them to agree with you about something specific. It might be a job issue. It might be a family issue. It might be a sickness in your body. Ask that person next to you just to pray with you. Come up here and pray. with. We'll have plenty of people praying for people up here. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, I pray as this loud noise goes up of prayer, this, this, this anthem of prayer, this... Um, music goes up and the the words go up. I pray, God, this would be a holy occasion, a beautiful occasion where we see breakthrough. What's said in the heart quietly before you in the midst of this prayer time. I pray you would hear from heaven and move the mountains in Jesus' name. Amen.